I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There it is, the essence of Jesus' teaching and of the Christian life laid out perfectly in two verses. It's actually pretty tempting to just say, yeah, that, amen, and sit down. Um, probably not that easy, but it's tempting. A New Testament scholar commented on this passage saying, this new commandment is simple enough for a preschooler to memorize and appreciate. And it is profound enough that the most mature believers are repeatedly embarrassed at how poorly they comprehend and put it into practice. An alternative translation of the second part of verse 34 eliminates the should and reads, I have loved you in order that you also love one another. To rephrase a line from Forrest Gump, love is as love does. Or as a popular song goes, they will know we are Christians by our love. This lesson is about our behavior, about how we exhibit the love that Jesus is talking about. Jesus' primary concern here is not with our beliefs. Not with our beliefs. Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He does not say, Everyone will know you are my disciples, if you believe the correct doctrines. Not that doctrines aren't important, but so often in the church, we put right doctrine over and above Jesus' commandment to love one another. This is part of what prompted the Roman Catholic theologian Karl Rahner to proclaim that many atheists were better Christians than a lot of professed Christians. Or as the author Karen Armstrong writes, faith is not about belief. It is about practice. Imagine talking about your Christian faith, your Christian practice, the way people talk about their yoga practice or some other practice they have. Several years ago, a child in the parish showed up at the 9 a.m. family service wearing a Nike t-shirt that read, maybe you should practice. I wanted to say, that's the sermon right there. <laughs> maybe you should practice. Karen Armstrong goes on to say that religion is not about believing or accepting certain positions or dogmas. Religion is about doing things that change you. 
This is part of why our Episcopal Anglican tradition proclaims that the Eucharist is primarily about changing human lives, not bread and wine, while also affirming that the risen Christ is truly present in the Eucharistic bread and wine. Christianity has a long, bloody history of persecution of people who are considered to not have the right beliefs. Certainly that is playing out in our country today in the battle over women's reproductive health. And while the Episcopal Church opposes abortion as a primary means of birth control or for things like gender selection, it affirms a woman's right to control her own reproductive health. And the Episcopal Church officially opposes any attempt to make government policy that would take away that right. The incarnation only happened because Mary said yes. Our call as Christians is to love as Jesus loved. So what do we see when we look at Jesus' own behavior? We see radical hospitality and table fellowship with those who had been deemed unclean. We see him feeding and healing and forgiving. We see him in acts of humble service as he washes the feet of his disciples. We see him challenge systems of power and privilege, both in his religion and in the government. We even see him feed the one that he knows will betray him. That is what just happened before this passage begins. Talk about loving your enemy. We see him spend time loving God in prayer and solitude. There's a beautiful tenderness and love in Jesus calling the disciples his little children, the way he loves them as a mother. We see in Jesus' behavior caring and empowering love. And above all, we see self-giving love. This is how we as Christians are called to live and to love. So how are you doing at it? How am I doing at it? In the memoir, Out of Africa, the story is told of a boy who comes to the author's door asking to be hired as a domestic servant. Three months later, that boy asks for a letter of recommendation so that he can go and work for a Muslim in a neighboring town. The author, who is a Christian, offers to pay the boy more money to keep him. But it turns out the boy wasn't there for money. He had decided that he wanted to become either a Christian or a Muslim. And so first, he sought out to see how Christians lived. Now he wanted to see how Muslims lived. 
so he could decide which religion to join. The author remembers wishing that the boy had mentioned this when he first came to work for her. Which makes me wonder, if that boy came to live with you or me, what would, we, what would he learn about how Christians lived simply by observing us and by observing how we treated him? Maybe each of us can spend the week ahead contemplating that question and observing our own practice. In some ways, this is a very easy gospel passage to preach on, but in other ways, it is one of the hardest. This new commandment from Jesus cannot be followed only by talking about it. As the famous quote goes, preach the gospel at all times, only when necessary, use words. So I'm going to stop using words and invite us to go forth and preach this gospel with our lives. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. <laughs>